Yo, this is Steve Bloom, the voice of Zeb in Star Wars Rebels. And you are listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, our favorite holiday is coming up. At least it's my favorite holiday. I think it's your favorite holiday, isn't it? It's in my top three. Well, there really are only three holidays. <laughs> no. There's a yes, lot there of holidays. Are. There's Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only three that you count. I mean, like, not everybody celer- celebrates Easter, you know? July 4th. But I mean, like, I mean, but do people really decorate, you know, for Groundhog's July 4th? Or, like, okay, people do not decorate for Groundhog's Day. My birthday. That's not oh. a holiday. <laughs> you just wish it was a holiday. No, Halloween is, is one of my favorites, yes. Uh, probably it's a toss-up between Halloween and Christmas. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean... There might be some people whose favorite hol- holiday, Halloweeny, I can't talk. <laughs> holiday is Thanksgiving. But that's probably just because they like all the food. Yeah, family food, get-togethers. Yeah, those kind of things. Um, so what are you guys doing for Halloween? Anything fun? Um, taking the kids out trick-or-treating. That's the big thing for me this year. Um, no wild costume parties. I might be wearing a costume to work tomorrow, but I'm not sure yet. I'm undecided on that. You always have a costume party. I know, right? And like you don't this year? No, no costume party. It's uh, not happening this year. But I am taking my kids out. I think that's, as you get older and your kids start to get older, the kids become the focus of Halloween more than more than uh, the adults. So. I have yet to experience this phenomenon. Yes. <laughs> Stay <laughs> so, away from it as long as you can. So what are you and um, Victoria dressing up as? Um, I am going to, I kind of cobbled together a Kylo Ren costume. Um, It's definitely not like to the standards of a diehard cosplayer, but it's, it's, it's something. My son will think I look like Kylo Ren and that's really all that matters. So that's, uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get into that costume probably... Halloween night, we'll go out trick-or-treating, hand out some candy to the kids that stop by the house, you know. Nice. That's pretty nice. much it, yeah. But I'll be the only one in a Star Wars costume. My son is doing Captain America. My daughter is doing uh, Rainbow Dash, So, which is something you could appreciate it. I can. Is Victoria dressing up as anything? Um, I I don't know yet. I don't. She may have planned something I'm not aware of, but... I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Secret sure. Secret costume. She has done a Boba Fett costume in the past. We do have a Boba Fett helmet, so maybe we could fall back on that. Uh, that's a good fallback if you're gonna have a fallback. Yes, yes. So what about you? So I actually get to dress up for school tomorrow, and so I'm gonna be dressing up as Snoopy. Um, couple reasons. I dressed up as Snoopy for my Hallmark ornament debut thing that we did, so I already have it, and it's done, and it's not hard. It's actually quite comfortable. White sweatpants and a white hoodie that have black ears sewn on them and a spot on the back. <laughs> so it works out perfect. Plus, the Snoopy movie's coming up, so I shall be promoting that. Um, the Snoopy movie. Peanuts in 3D, otherwise known as the Snoopy movie. <laughs> is it really otherwise known as that, or is that something that you have adopted? 
No, I just feel like there's a lot of people that refer to Peanuts as Snoopy. True. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Instead of Charlie Brown. Um, but uh, speaking of, Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin should be coming on probably tomorrow on TV. Oh, yeah? It's that, that time Yay. of year. Yay! I know you don't you don't have a you don't have a, a nostalgic thing for peanuts, I don't think. No, peanuts was definitely a part of my childhood, but uh just never that never clicked with me as much as some other things, so but you know, I I appreciate the the pop culture, you know, impact that it has had. So I did, I will I will watch the movie. But you know what else? What other movie I'm gonna watch? Star Wars The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. That's the one that uh, I think everybody cares about, right? That's the one that's coming up. Uh, did you get tickets? I did. Um, if you would like to hear the entire um, journey chronicling my ticket experience, you need to listen to two shows. Um, Disney Vault right. Talks Beauty and the Beast is where it begins. Of course, yeah. And Beauty then and it, the Beast. It, and then it folds into um, the... Last episode of Rebel Yell of the Lost Commanders. <laughs> so it kind of crosses wow. two shows. <laughs> well, I'll do my homework. It took a I'll... while to get tickets. Can you give okay? us the fast version for people that don't listen to those other shows? The fast version is, yes, we did eventually. We actually bought tickets for, for two movie theaters. Um, I bought tickets at a regular kind of boring, normal, regal theater uh, because I didn't want to not go Thursday night. And then my mom was able to go down to the Alamo Draft House on South Lamar, which is the most coveted of all Star Wars theater tickets, maybe outside of um, the premiere and Man's Chinese Theater, and get tickets for that theater on Thursday night because she actually drove down there to get them and got in line before the hordes of people, before hundreds of people were down there. She got in line. There was only five people in front of her. So we were able to get tickets. It was like a freaking miracle. Wow, that's a good mom. Star Wars miracle. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of crazy that they they released the trailer on the same night that they made the tickets available. So you're trying to like get ready to watch the trailer, but at the same time you have your laptop up and you're like queuing up all the different, you know, movie websites and it was stressful for me. <laughs> like I think it it actually affected my enjoyment of watching the trailer because mm-hmm. I was so stressed out about getting the tickets. Yeah, I mean, that whole, that Monday was a cluster. Like, it was just a a crazy, huge, intense, just like Star Wars high of an evening. And I didn't know what was going on half the time when I was recording two podcasts at the same time. And I was like, what is happening to my life? (laughs) It was weird and crazy, but cool. So speaking of that Monday, um... The trailer came out, like you mentioned, and you had a quite a different experience watching this one than you did what we will call trailer number two, from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, watching the trailer at Celebration with, you know, J.J. Abrams right on stage there, like there's no topping that. that that's just, you know, it's kind of like one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences. So this trailer, I was just in a different situation. You know, I wasn't surrounded by Star Wars fans. I had been invited over to a friend's house to watch the game. That was really the focus of most of the people in in the house. Um, So, yeah, it was just a different experience. But I did convince them to watch the trailer a number of times in a row because they did have DVR. Um, And 
you know, I love, you know, the trailer was just awesome. I know I will probably talk about some of the finer details of the trailer, but just my overall, um, you know, thoughts on it is it was amazing. Yeah, for me, it was, like I said, it was an intense situation watching it because I was on the line with Steve Glosson, Eris Chernovice, Riley and Bethany Bland and me. And so it's playing and we get this lead up to it and you can hear everybody like kind of gasping in the background and stuff. And it was just, it was almost like I was at Celebration. (laughs) Right. You watched it with the right people. Yeah. And um I didn't get as emotional. Like I will still to this day say that the second trailer got me the most as far as the emotions go. And it's not even the Han, you know, Chewie were home thing. It's just something about that particular trailer really, really got me. And even still, like I went and saw Bridge of Spies with Tom Hanks, which FYI, if anybody cares, it was a really well done movie. Like it's actually very good. So if you need a date night movie, or something go see bridge of spies it's really really good but they played the second trailer instead of the newest one which i found interesting and i was still crying like at the end of it <laughs> really <laughs> it's been how long since that well it's something about seeing it on the big screen too like w- when we were at the at celebration you see it on the big screen um we were all the way in the very back of the auditorium but it was still on the big screen um and then you seeing it at the theater, obviously, it's on the big screen. But, you know, it's a little bit different of experience watching it on your computer or watching it on your TV and at home. Um, it just doesn't have that same impact. No, but, you know, I still got emotional. Oh, definitely. But let's talk, let's talk about this trailer because you haven't had a chance to talk about it anywhere. Um, you haven't been on a podcast talking about the trailer yet. So what is your, like, biggest, like, standout moment? Oh, man. So many of them. Uh, what is? I don't know if I really have a standout. I mean, just seeing Chewbacca and Han again, like just those classic characters, um, and even now we get to see Leia um, in a trailer. Like I think that was really what stuck out to me. Um, but did you notice that Ray was crying over something furry that had a bandolier on it? <laughs> I mean that that scene. I think people are reading way too much into it. I don't think they're no, gonna reveal in the trailer. Yeah, <laughs> reading way too much into. I'm something. pretty sure the people that put these trailers together um, are very aware of every frame of the trailer, and they're not gonna drop that kind of a big spoiler on us right in the trailer. So, I, I yeah, I think people are kind of reading into that a bit. Well, you know, the people that made these trailers are sitting there laughing their butts yes, off. Yeah, um, that's what's happening. But yeah, the trailer, the whole trailer. The trailer as a whole, there's really nothing in it that didn't excite me. Pretty much every scene they showed, um, just the visuals of it. The You know how me and you talk about how we're not big into space battles? Yeah. You know, we're reading books you know, about Star Wars and the space battles. I'm, going. Not, I'm not big into space battles in a book. Right. But when you see the space battles here, like I know the space battles in the original trilogy were great and you know the prequels and everything. But something about the way they d- they're doing these in this movie just... And the fact that these X-Wings and TIE Fighters are battling, not in space, not in like a black star field, but like in terrain that we're familiar with, you know, over lakes and forests and mountains and just something about it's just breathtaking. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I actually like the fact that they're battling over something that has substance to it. So it gives you a feel of, I don't know, like, I don't know if grandeur is the right word, but like it just feels bigger for some reason. Um, 
And I do like the fact that it's happening, like, to where you can just – you can feel the action almost. So I don't know if you noticed this. You probably did because you've probably watched it 5,000 times. <laughs> but um, there's the scene where it looks like Maz Kanata's palace, if that's what the building is that um, Han and Chewie and Ray and Finn and BB-8 are going into, right. if that's her palace, it looks like it's getting attacked. And it's kind of all those main battle scenes we saw in the trailer, but there's like this big cloud of like mist or rain or water like rising up and like coming towards the TIE fighters. Did you see that? Um, Not the way you're describing it. No, I don't think okay. I picked up on that. Well, that's the X-Wings flying together in the water that they're picking up off the lake that's, like, trailing behind okay. them. It's, like, this huge cloud. It's so cool. Like, if you if you go really slow and you can kind of, like, zoom in on it, you can see the X-Wings. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That, all that stuff, like, even the – there's one scene where I think an X-Wing is chasing a TIE fighter or maybe it's the other way around – but you see that the TIE fighter, as it kind of banks right above the lake, its wing is just barely touching the tip of the water. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of skims across. So, like, yeah, just those effects. It's just, it's bringing a whole new level, I think, to the visuals that we haven't seen before in Star Wars. And the TIE fighters shoot backwards. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The TIE fighters have, okay, I'll explain it because I had it explained to me. <laughs> These TIE fighters have space for two people. There's two people in the TIE. There's a front glass and a back glass, and there are guns facing behind them as well as in front of them. So the one facing the opposite direction from the pilot driving it can shoot and can shoot behind them. Interesting. Yeah, and it's in the you can see it in the trailer. Um, I'd have to find the specific spot for it, but uh, it's pretty cool. Like, um, also there's the scene like I've talked about already, where they're going into the whatever the palace building is, and there's all these flags, oh, like hanging down, and there's a bunch of Mandalorian symbols in there as well as some other stuff. Um, yeah, that the you notice very prominent. Um, you know, or Boba Fett symbol i guess that people the bantha skull i guess it is mm-hmm. and then um also if you slow that down i actually made it my cover photo on facebook is there's kind of like this weird sort of droid like without a face kind of thing going on and bbh rolling by and he looks up at him like what the hell are you <laughs> like <laughs> look at his face it's so cute so for anybody who's saying that BB-8 is going to be Jar Jar of this movie, shame oh, on you. I hope nobody's saying that. <laughs> there are people saying that. Really? There are people saying, like, don't get excited about BB-8. What if he Jar Jar's out? And I'm like, no. No. <laughs> we've, I mean, we've seen BB-8 in the trailers enough and even the way they had him portrayed on stage at Celebration and... You know, the marketing for the character, we have, you know, the little droid toy that everybody's so happy about. I mean, what more could he do that would be different than what we've already seen? Like, I think we already know that he's adorable and we're all going to love him. Yeah, I know. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then there is something else I wanted to point out for you. So the the new hyperspace, the way that the new hyperspace thing looks, it looks a lot like when the Enterprise goes into hyperspace in the new Star Trek movies. Huh. Maybe In my opinion, I think it does. J.J. Abrams I mean, touch, maybe. Maybe, maybe a little bit. But 
some of the scenes that stuck out, we have the scene with, um, you know, we have Kylo Ren w- surrounded by a group of other people, um, which I would assume maybe are the Knights of Ren, since we've heard about them. Yes, so I think that's true. That looked really cool. Like those guys, like when you when you freeze frame that scene and you just look at the individual characters and how, you know, although they all have similar kind of armor, cloaks, whatever, they all are very, you know, have some individual to them as well one guy with you know he's got something propped up on his shoulder almost looks like a cricket bat but so i'm really excited to learn more about you know we know we know that kylo ren is a big deal in the movie we know that there's another you know evil character they haven't really revealed much about but we don't really know much about this group that he's kind of with so i'm excited to learn more about that yeah i have the trailer playing right now at um 0.25 0.25 speed okay <laughs> so it's going super slow because i was going to try and catch something um i think in that scene with the knights of rin there is a mandalorian um it's hard to tell i've seen people isolate the image um i'm currently trying to isolate the image by going very slow in speed through the trailer um and I'm actually on the Kylo Ren part. And it looks like he's using the force to um, torture Poe, actually. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that, that's another scene that sticks out. The The scene with Poe looks like he's getting tortured. Um, I'm like, how did you get there, Poe? And why are you there, poor Poe? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I see what you're talking about with the, the Knights of Ren. I, I think just Kylo Ren's face mask in general has kind of a Mandalorian-esque look to it. So... It could just be a similar looking armor as opposed to it actually being a Mandalorian that's with him. No, it looks like a it looks like Boba Fett's helmet is what it looks like. Or like Sabine's helmet. Like that style like that of helmet. T, that T visor. Yeah. See, okay, hang on. I just I just got there. Um I need to slow it down. I'd sped it up to point five, so hang on. I'm really curious about it, honestly, because I'm like, what if he's in this movie? Who's he, who do you mean by he? I don't know. But with that? that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I would love that, but I doubt it. it um, everybody else would hate it. Yeah, I mean, not everybody else. I think we, <laughs> we're we in a bit of an echo chamber with uh, some friends of ours that are not big Boba Fett fans, but I think there, there are <laughs> plenty chamber. of... There are definitely a lot of people out there that like Boba Fett, so I don't think people would complain too much if he showed up um, in this film. But if they if he shows up in this film, talk about keeping something a secret. I you know that would be pretty impressive that they were able to keep that a secret. I'm not expecting it. No either. Um, So what do you think about and it's something we talked about and you missed out on it because you weren't with the council because you were watching football. I know. But it's something that we talked about is sort of the wording in the trailer where they were saying, you know, the force is calling to you, let it in. And I realize that there's probably Star Wars connotations for that. But also, I kind of thought that was really appropriate dialogue for a trailer that's being shown before like a huge football audience and a bunch of people that may or may not know that this movie is actually coming out. And, you know, just kind of perfect dialogue to be like, hey, the force is calling to you. Let it in and watch this movie, you know, (laughs) just kind of like subliminal messaging. Like, I I just thought it was picked really well for the purpose of the trailer. Huh. 
Yeah, I didn't really think about that. I mean, I liked all the dialogue. We got a little bit of dialogue throughout the trailer, and I like how much focus is on the Force in this. You know, you know, I think both of us kind of enjoy that aspect of Star Wars. You know, learning more about the Force and both the light and dark side of it, and how the different people use it and things like that. So, you know, I'm I'm glad to see that that seems to be a pretty big focus. So let's see. Um... Moving on from the trailer, unless there's anything else that you wanted to point out, things you liked or whatever. No, I think we talked about it. For, um, you know, I'm just super excited about the movie. I have my tickets. I'm going to, I think, three showings um, as of now. Goodness. Two, two, two showings, Thursday night and one on Friday morning. So I will be able to see every detail of that movie over and over. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Well, maybe now I need to go on Friday. <laughs> I have already been planning on going like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, you know, because you get to that point to where you're like, what do we do? We've already opened presents. Everything's done, you know? Let's go see and I'm Star like, Wars. well, we should buy. Why not? Yeah. Why the heck not? Exactly. Movie theaters are actually open on Christmas. <laughs> Nothing else is. Not the grocery store, but the movie theater is. So we wanted to talk a little bit about um, just some tweets and stuff that we'd gotten recently, and we felt like it was appropriate for us to talk about them, um, because I think a lot of people are still struggling with the new canon books, wouldn't you say? Like, EU folks are having some trouble still. There's definitely people that are having a hard time letting go, yes. Is that a direct, you know... I think that maybe some of the negativity we're getting about the new canon maybe is not fair because people are maybe being negative toward it because it's not what they are, are used to. But, um, yeah, I definitely want to talk about it. So um, we got this one tweet, which sort of got us talking, um, and it's from a guy named Eric. Um, but we thank you for listening, first of all, and we're really glad that you value our opinions on, you know, if you should be – what books to read and stuff like that. So he tweeted at us and he said, Hey, at SW Bookworms, honesty, should longtime EU fan, should a longtime EU fan bother with the new books? Pulling me into airport bookstores and resisting on principle. So mm. he's resisting reading the new books just purely on principle of being a big EU fan and, like, I can respect his feelings. Um, I actually tweeted back to him and I said, Yes in all capital letters and I said so many times over these books are actually quite good and they are great Star Wars stories and he replied to me that's not what I've heard I promise I won't tell Mickey if they're crap please say so <laughs> <laughs> I love that I promise I won't tell Mickey uh... <laughs> <laughs> well he knew how to get to me I guess um, and I responded in a um, two part tweet and I said if you've listened to our show you'll you will know that we do not think they are crap. I loved Heir to the Jedi. Aaron did not. We both loved Dark Disciple and A New Dawn. We liked Tarkin and Lords of the Sith. Okay. But none of them are crap. And the reason I responded that way is because I don't think it's fair to call any book crap. <laughs> like, it's art that somebody's worked on and that somebody worked really hard on. You know, so even if you don't like the story or you don't like the way it's written, like, I just don't feel like it's good to call them crap. Um, but there are definitely different flavors, especially since Journey to the Force Awakens has happened. Wouldn't you agree? Like, there's 
just all these different avenues for people to read now. It's not just the Del Rey books and the adult novels. You know, now we've got like kind of like a YA track happening. We have a junior novel track happening. We've got, you know, canon comics. Like there's so much stuff out there that you can kind of pick and choose. But if we're focusing on the Del Rey books, I mean, I don't know what your opinion is, but I kind of hijacked our Twitter (laughs) and responded to him. Yeah, I was going to respond to him on Twitter, but then I thought about, I knew we were going to be recording this episode, and I was like, well, why don't we just talk about it on the show, so we can be a little bit more, and we can get a little bit more in-depth with it than you can in 140 characters. Um, But I think it is important to talk about, I, you know, when he talks about old EU fans, you know, is it worth an old EU fan getting into the new canon? Um, You know, I fall in that boat. Like, I've been reading the EU, you know, pretty much since the beginning, I loved all the, you know, all those books, you know, there was their ups and downs, but for the most part, I really enjoyed, you know, most of what we got with the EU and all of those characters and I miss them, you know, and I hate the fact that we're not going to get that stuff wrapped up with certain characters that I really enjoyed. Uh, But looking at the new canon fairly, you know, not looking at it negatively right out the bat, like right out the gate, just because it's not the old EU. Um, you know, just being fair to it. I am, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the new books. Um, I haven't loved every single book that's come out so far, but my honest opinion, you know, Mickey aside is that I think they're going a great direction with this stuff. I actually really, um, I know aftermath has gotten a lot of negativity from, um, people that were big fans of the older EU stuff. And they, you know, I think people are seeing aftermath as like, Oh, that's, what comes after Return of the Jedi. So it's kind of replacing the old Thrawn novels. No, you, it's not. It's not, and you can't compare it to that. And it's not, you know, it doesn't have the the big three cast that Thrawn or that Zahn had to work with. You know, they're obviously limited in what characters they can use right now because the movie hasn't come out yet. So for what they have to work with, I think they're doing, I think it's fine. I think it's great. And um, I actually really enjoyed Aftermath. I know we haven't reviewed it yet on our show, we will get to it, but you know, just kind of my thoughts right now. I loved it. Um, it started out slow for me. It was a little different than what you're used to when it comes to Star Wars, but it felt the most like the old EU to me um, out of these new novels because it was establishing new characters. You know, it wasn't giving us Han, Luke, and Leia over and over and over. It was actually establishing a brand new cast of characters. So um, I'm excited about the future of canon novels, comics, you know, junior novels. Um, everything hasn't been hit out of the park, but I'm super excited about where they're going with it. So I think most people know I'm not a long time EU fan, meaning like I didn't start reading when the Thrawn trilogy came out and I haven't read everything that has come out. Um, but I can say as a Star Wars fan that enjoys books and that has read quite a bit of the kind of newer EU, um, I think that it's only fair if you're a true Star Wars fan and if you are a true Star Wars books fan to give everything a fair shake and to give it a chance. You know, I don't think there's really any room for that kind of more snobby attitude that I think sometimes happens in fandom. And it happens in every kind of fandom, whether it's, you know, toy collecting fandom or books or comics or, you know, whatever. I just don't think there's really room for that. And 
because otherwise you're going to stifle your ability to learn about new characters and to get new stories. And I think the point of Star Wars is that it's still ongoing. There's a lot of fandoms that aren't ongoing. They, they're just where they are. Like what has come out is what's out. You know, for example, Hunger Games, like what's out is what's out. Granted, there's one more film coming, but there's no more stories coming. Um, Harry Potter even. And, you know, even with the play that she's getting to release, getting ready to release, like there's no more official like books coming, you know. And so that's over. And like Lord of the Rings and it's over. But Star Wars isn't over. We're still getting books and we're getting stories. And we should be very fortunate as Star Wars fans that like books that we're even getting this because they could have just shut it all down. And they didn't. They embraced it, and now we have all of the stuff that we have. So even if we're getting stories that involve, you know, toodle fruits or <laughs> stories that involve, you know, um, rebels characters or Clone Wars characters or, you know, super in-depth details about Tarkin. I mean, it's there's a book that's going to appeal to everybody, and you're never going to like everything. But why not read it and try it and then say, well, I read it. I didn't really like it, but I'm waiting for the next one. You know, that's just kind of my view on it. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, the best way to to continue to enjoy Star Wars is roll with the punches. You know, go, because when I remember when Disney bought Star Wars and I was really scared about what was going to happen to the expanded universe because the expanded universe has always been my Star Wars. That's kind of my first love when it comes to Star Wars. Um but I, I decided early on that I was just going to go with it. Whatever they decided, I was going to go with it. I know I had, you know, when they first announced the Clone Wars, I remember I was just like, oh, crap. Like, this show is going to completely ruin all those comics that I love. And I, But, you know, I got over that fear and just embraced it. And now, you know, I love the Clone Wars and I love Rebels. And, you know, I, I like the direction that they're going with literature. So, I mean, you just kind of have to go with the flow. Like, you, you have to understand that, they're not going to cater to every one of your specific wants, um, yeah. but they're still going to take the time and try to put out really quality stuff. And we have to give it a chance and not kind of turn our nose up just because they didn't finish telling us what happened to Ben Skywalker, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'd kind of like to make a comment here about the whole bring back the EU movement. That's kind of been Ooh. sort of happening. I'm just like, I'm making a personal comment on it. You know, I mean, this isn't necessarily like how you feel, but it's how I feel is that while I respect people loving the old EU and there's so much to love from it, there really is. I don't feel like doing something like that is very respectful to the people that are working their tails off to create Star Wars now. And this has nothing to do with the fact that like, you know, we're friends with some of the people at Del Rey. Like, it really doesn't have anything to do with that. One of the things that Aaron and I are actually very proud of is the fact that we're very honest about how we feel about things. And we review books honestly. And despite the fact that we know people who have written them or have published them, we're still really honest about it. And I think that's one of the things that, that we kind of have going for us, you know, is that we stuck to our guns <laughs> about being honest. And so... You know, I just come from the mindset of I respect what all of these people are doing and trying to create Star Wars for us. And so I don't really subscribe to the whole, you know, trying to start a petition to bring back the old EU and basically condemning, you know, what is happening right now. Like, I just don't subscribe to that. And, you know, I respect people that that's how they feel. But 
they're never going to get me on that bandwagon. <laughs> well, really, and if you boycott Star Wars books now, it doesn't mean they're going to bring back the old stuff. It just means yeah. they're going to stop writing Star Wars or Star Wars books altogether. You know, right. so that's probably the worst way to go about it is to to boycott the stuff that's coming out. If you want to keep reading about Star Wars, keep buying the books, keep reading it. And you know what? If this stuff is super successful and these, you know, these new books that come out sell well and people show that they really care about Star Wars literature, then someday maybe they will go back to the Legends universe. Maybe they will finish out some of those stories. But it's only going to happen if we keep buying the books that are coming out now. Yeah, and if we keep showing support for Star Wars books even being made, I mean, they could just choose to stop making them all together and say, oh, well, this isn't a big moneymaker for us. You know, there doesn't really seem to be any interest in it, so let's just shut it down. And I don't want that to happen because then there will be no st- no more Star Wars book run. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go back and uh, review all the new Jedi Order novels in order. <laughs> oh, yay! <laughs> But I, yeah, so yeah, we had gotten those tweets and I just, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of talk about that because I know we, it's probably been a while since we've had a discussion kind of about the, the new canon at, in general, you know, as opposed to just an individual book. Um, right. And we kind of steer away from talking about some of those controversial things a little bit. Um, not because we don't talk about them together because we do, but um, sometimes we just don't feel like calling attention to things like that. But I think this was a good time. We're getting close to the movie coming out and, you know, some more exciting things happening. And now the Journey to the Force Awakens books have been out um, for a while. And, uh, you know, things are starting to sink in and settle in. And we've got great responses to um, other books. We're going to talk about one of them in a minute. But there's a lot of good things happening. Yay, Star Wars! <laughs> and we are going to do a, a review of a book um, in this episode. We are going to actually be talking about the, one of the Servants of the Empire novels. Um, yes. So we will get to that. But you got some stuff from Star Wars Reads Day. Star Wars Reads Day happened, um, I guess, kind of October a, like a month ago or more now. No, October or... 4th or something like that. Okay. It was early October. Yeah, so um, you, you got were some... at You were at New York Comic Con. I was. And I was at Barnes and Noble in Texas, and so I just picked up some stuff that they had at Barnes and Noble. I mean, it's nothing like huge and fancy or anything. It's just like kind of cool, cute little giveaways. So, what we're gonna do is there are three things. Um, I have two sets of three things. One is a bookmark that has um, the covers of Moving Target, Smuggler's Run, and The Weapon of a Jedi on one side, and on the other side. It has the Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens logo on the back, and it says Star Wars Reads Day, and it has the date. Oh, it was the 10th of October. And then there's a little kind of punch-out BB-8 that was advertising for the studio fun book um, Star Wars Droid Factory. And you kind of punch him out, and he has a little stand, and so you can put him on your desk or something. And then I also have um, – I didn't pick these up at Reads Day. I just have these. Um they are, say, some digital code cards for Star Wars Card Trader, um, and it has the instructions of downloading the app onto your phone, and then there is a code on the back that gives you a free pack of cards. So I've got these three things for two lucky individuals. And so what we wanted to ask you to do in the spirit of new canon books, tweet at us or comment on our Facebook page, or not comment, but write a post on our Facebook page. Um, make sure you tweet at SW Bookworms, your favorite new canon book so far. 
And then um, we will randomly select two individuals, and I will stick these in an envelope and put a stamp on it and get it out to you. And you have until, let's see, it is October 29th. So I'm going to make this, pulling up a calendar. Um, I'm going to say you have until November, I'll say, 9th. And the reason I'm saying 9th is because I leave to go to Disneyland on the 13th. So I need to know who you are, get your mailing addresses and stuff in time to put it in the mail before I go to California. <laughs> so you have until November 9th to leave a comment on Facebook or tweet at us your favorite new canon book. So speaking of, what is going on in the book club, Aaron? So the book club, we, we took a little bit of time off the book club, um, but we are going to do a book for November. So anyone that's been over in the book club kind of wondering what book we had coming up, we're going to do Lost Stars. Um, we already have done Aftermath in the book club, so we're going to move on to another Journey of the Force Awakens novel. And uh, it's going to be the, what is it, YA, I guess, novel? Mm-hmm. Lost Stars. So, And it's actually good timing because uh, it kind of syncs up well with when we're planning on reviewing Lost Stars for our show because we're going to be doing that in a couple episodes. So the timing should work out well for you know anyone to read along with us. And then when we're all done... Uh, we'll review it on the show. Yeah, I'm pumped about it. And actually, it's the first book in a while that I'm going to get to be active in the book club for. Um, I'm about, I'm on chapter 20 of the 31 chapters. So I am quite a bit of a ways through it. And so I have plenty of fun stuff to say when it comes to this book. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Maybe I can't you wait to talk the... about it with the club, and I can't wait to talk about it with you and just oh, Lost Stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can be the uh, the head moderator this time. I can do that. You want to do that for this one? I could do that. Yeah, right. I'll take I'll take the ranks on this one. Cool. So our goal is rains, to have that. Rains, rains. <laughs> we'll break that down into a reading schedule and have that up. Um, hopefully for the beginning of November and get that. I will have that up for you guys tomorrow. All right. So do that. But we did want to review a book on this episode. So we had planned to uh, continue to review the Servants of the Empire books, the Zare Leonis, if you remember that character from uh, Star Wars Rebels. Um, He has a whole book series um, of these junior novels. We've already reviewed the first one. And so we're going to review the second one now. It's been out for a while, but the most recent and the last book in the series actually just came out this month. So we're going to get caught up and actually review all four eventually. But right now we're just going to review the second book, which is called Rebel in the Ranks. Um, And um, really quick before we get started, um, Fangirls Going Rogue actually had some inquiries about, you know, why aren't there podcasts and stuff that are reviewing these books and I was able to refer him over to bookworms and say like hey look we reviewed the first one so we are reviewing books that you know maybe getting passed over by other people and so if you've got kids that read the junior novels like this would be a great episode for them because we're reading um we're reading these books too um we're reading too much (laughs) I think is <laughs> we, what's happening. We definitely have a lot to to continue reading. We are, you know, I know the um, the Journey of the Force Awakens stuff is, you know, mostly all out there. So we are going to be doing, you know, Aftermath, and we're going to be doing Lost Stars and, and some other of those books. And then people might be wondering, hey, you guys haven't done a comic review in a while. We've been waiting for Marvel to put them out in the uh, trade paperbacks because that's how we 
that's how we review our comics. So they actually have released the first few of those are out now. I think they came out sometime in October. They so. did. They came out around October 7th. Um, it was Darth Vader Volume 1, Star Wars Volume 1, Skywalker Strikes. Um, and so those are the first two that came out. So we'll be getting to those. We have a whole schedule, so oh, yeah. we'll be we'll, getting to them. We're definitely going to be getting the comics back in here, so... Um, we'll we'll be we'll be catching up with this stuff, just like I'm sure everybody else is having a hard time kind of reading everything because there's just been so much coming out. I have to say, for the record, it is a lot harder to read things than it is just to watch things. On <laughs> yeah. TV. If only we did a <laughs> if only we did a podcast about Star Wars Rebels, but everybody does that, right? Yeah. Oh wait, you're on the council for one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's get into this. Um, it's Servants of the Empire, Rebel in the Ranks. It's book two. Um, if you're curious about what order they go in, I didn't know this. I discovered it later, and I felt like a dum-dum. The numbers are on the sides of the spine. Yes, they are. <laughs> Just look for the numbers. Um, Rebel in the Ranks is number two. The cover has Ezra and Zare on the front running away from what looks like the Inquisitor. Um, but he looks like a giant Inquisitor. But that's what the cover looks like. It came out on March 3rd of 2015. It is written by Jason Fry. And the publisher summary is this. As a new student at Lothal's Imperial Academy, Zare Leonis does everything it takes to pass as a model cadet. But secretly, he is a hidden enemy among Imperial loyalists, determined to discover the truth about his missing sister and to bring down the Empire. Luckily, he has his tech-savvy girlfriend, Marae, by his side, willing to help him however she can, even if it means dealing with criminals in the shadiest parts of Capital City. In the meantime, Zare must face down a dangerous foe of his own, Lieutenant... I'm going call, to call this person Kurahi. Kurahi, yeah. Kurahi. It kind of reminds me of a character, actually, from um, Band of Brothers. Um, <laughs> Lieutenant Kurahi, who seems bent on pushing Zare to his breaking point. Join these rebellious cadets as they risk it all to take on the fearsome empire. And honestly, the publisher summary sort of sums up most of what happens in this book. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about it. Um, no, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was great. I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, I really did like it. Um, one of the good things about these books is just they're, they are junior novels, so they're easy to digest. Um, there's not a lot of need i know like sometimes when i read some of the the del rey books you know you have times where you might read a section and have to almost reread it to kind of catch everything um you can breeze through these and they're really you know they're pretty pretty short um this one i think is 100 about 170 pages um and the print's pretty big so i mean you could literally zip through one of these things in an evening i um, did <laughs> yeah so so that is one of the positives of reading these junior, junior novels but they still have you know, really interesting stories. Um, so it's not like you're reading at a level where it's just very boring. No, it's not boring at all. It's actually, um, Jason Fry does a great job of making something that's easy to read for us as adults, um, but also have a captivating story and also maybe slightly challenging for our young readers, which is good because they need to learn how to read. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he does a great job of blending all of that together. Now, when we say junior novel, for those of you who don't know what a junior novel is, a junior novel is not one of the chapter books that has like a number at the top that says like grade two. That's not what this is. This is like it's an actual book book. Um, it just has a little bit of bigger print. But the one complaint I have is the complaint I had about the first one, Aaron. All of the weird 
graphics on the back of the page. The grid marks. The grid marks. Yeah, I I was kind of yeah, it was bothering me too as I'm reading through it. It's they're not they don't fade enough in the background. Mm-mm. So they kind of it's just it's distracting to the eyes when you're trying to read text that's over top of this like, you know, grid. Yeah, but I mean it's still a it's it's distracting, but I could see how it would be cool for you know, like it's it's visually kids, interesting maybe. looking, but yeah, it's and obviously that's that's a decision made by, you know, I guess the publisher or the maybe the marketing department of but you know the author had nothing to do with that so that's nothing on on the person that wrote the book but yeah just their decision to to do that style is something that i don't necessarily like so let's talk a little bit about the maybe development of zarek because we um we see him some in the rebels show but we've gotten a lot more development of him in these books are you enjoying getting to know Zara a little bit better um yeah i i am enjoying it he's not a character that i've really gravitated that much toward toward um i actually to be honest because this book really uh focuses mostly on Zare and then also marie murray or however you say her name marie, marie, i don't know but her <laughs> not her last name is is spanjaffs or something but one of the, my favorite lines in the whole book is when somebody called her spamjacks <laughs> spamjacks yeah so you have you know they're they're kind of in separate places so they're never really together doing much but you see things from his perspective you see things from her perspective and i actually enjoyed her side of the story much more than i did zares i, I just gravitated more to her toward her character and I think that's because what her side of the story is something that we haven't seen. We've kind of seen the inside of the Imperial Academy a little bit mm. from the episodes of um, Rebels. Right. I don't remember what the Rebels episodes were called. Um, I can go and try and find those. Um, but we got to see some of the stuff that happens in those episodes actually takes place in this book. But it doesn't take place until more towards the end. So we're kind of familiar with it a little bit. And I was saying to you earlier that, like, I almost feel even more connected with these, you know, after reading Lost Stars because I'm getting so much information about the inside world of the Empire and of the Imperial Academies and stuff from Lost Stars that it almost just feels like a continuation. And even in Lost Stars, they do mention the Imperial Academy on fall a couple of times oh really and they mentioned the planet yeah they mentioned the planet with fall a few times so you can almost kind of tell these are sort of written in that same timeline of things happening and and they are i mean the the lost stars moves on from the rebels timeline but you know there's some major similarities to where i just sort of felt like oh this is cool like i'm just in the imperial academy still but you know in a different one and it was it was pretty neat for me so if you're reading them together at the same time you'll benefit from that yeah it definitely gives you uh insight into how these these cadets were trained and we did get to see some of that in rebels um but yeah it it is an interesting look into that but it's still at the same time it's not something that I really wanted to know that much about for my personal reading tastes. So it was kind of, I felt like I'm kind of plotting through that side of it. That's why I kind of like the Marie stuff more because it was like, she was outside of that and, you know, she's dealing with the underworld and, 
you know, hacking into the imperial systems and stuff like that. That was more interesting to me than, you know, them going out on these morning runs and, and all the, the stuff that they were doing at the academy. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll be honest with you, I actually quite like this part of it, but I like historical kind of things. So I like diving into the backgrounds of stuff, and we don't really know that much about the Empire. I mean, we know it exists. This, we know it's bad, but we don't really know how it's sort of, you know, constructed or whatever. And we've heard of things like Imperial Academies, and we don't really know anything about them. And so I'm actually quite enjoying getting to see the Empire side of things and the dark side of things sort of opened up and having the doors opened and um, the curtain pulled back a little bit. And I think it's really cool to be able to get that side of stuff because we've never seen it before. It was sort of like a don't talk about that kind of thing. Um in Star Wars, but I found it. So episode six, Breaking Ranks is what it's called, um, where did Ezra you, goes undercover. Did you, just because you read the, the book, did you go back and rewatch that episode? I actually rewatched this episode for fairly recently through my Geek Force Club at school with my kids um, because we're watching through Rebels. And so we just watched this not that long ago. We're actually now... Um, we're in like Path of the Jedi and Idiot's Array. We're at episode 10 and 11 now. But, you know, so I did just see it not that long ago. Okay. I watched it. I rewatched it right after I finished the book because I just, mm-hmm. I was very curious because like you said, there's some, some of the scenes are overlapping. You know, some things that happen in the novel actually happened in the show and some things even word for word. Um, not very much of the book, but kind of towards the end. And so I kind of want to just, I like to compare those things just to see if anything veers off. Um, and I did notice some differences that I thought were somewhat significant, um, even, okay. in, even in some of the dialogue. Because when you're watching the Rebels episode, there's no mention of Zare's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, he never mentions having a girlfriend. Um, he does mention his sister a lot. And, but some, when, you're, when you look at the novel, there's some scenes where he's talking to Ezra and he actually mentions, you know, oh, I found this out from my girlfriend or, you know, how did you know that that was going to set off the alarm at the door, you know, kind of thing. And I think in the novel they are like, oh, it was his girlfriend that explained it. But in the show he said it was his sister that told him that. So there were some differences if you want to be nitpicky. And I, I think that's to probably to be expected. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. But, but I did think it was cool how they kind of – went in depth into the scene of like why Ezra was up in the ventilation, you know, to get the decoder disc and stuff. And I also thought it was cool that Murray had interactions with Zeb and Sabine and stuff. Um, I thought that was really cool. And I mean, she's a, she's a slicer. Like she's a very good little, little hacker. Yeah. Because her parents or especially her mother are, you know, some of the best at like Imperial security. Mm-hmm. And she's actually coming up, against them you know which is kind of one of the big plot twists in the story and um she's actually kind of having to go toe to toe with you know her mom is the one that's actually trying to find out who this intruder is having no idea that it's actually her daughter so she's definitely proving her skills against some of the best yeah and this one actually ends on a cliffhanger like a big time cliffhanger um so if you're reading, you might want to also get book three because it ends and you're like, ah. So I would say like some of my favorite parts of this book, like I know you're glad there's no grav ball. 
Yes, I was happy. That was one of my biggest issues with the first book is it was all about, you know, what I felt like I was reading a football novel. Um, and I was happy to see that none of that was in this book. There was a couple mentions of it, but there was no grav ball matches. Um, I would say some of my favorite scenes in this book were the the dialogue back and forth between Zare and the other cadets. Um, and his inner monologue, um, the struggle he was having trying to make sure that he didn't forget about why he was there and that he was continuing to fight the fight for figuring out what happened to his sister and all of that kind of stuff. And we actually get some cool info that she got, um, you know, sent on like a secret mission kind of thing to, I forget where, and my book's not right next to me. Do you have yours? I do. I don't know if I'd be able to find it that quick. Um, it's towards the ends. Um, let me go grab it really quick. But um, well, are you talking about kind of the the code name for you know where she was sent? Yes, all okay. of that. Yeah, I don't. I didn't uh, read that as necessarily a mission that she was being sent on. More than just. Well, a... no, I didn't really mean the word mission. I meant right. more of like like where she went to and the planet that she went to right yeah the place that they sent her and i love that about this book because it gave us a little bit more clarity in what was going on as far as the inquisitor you know kind of taking these students that showed potential um in the force specifically and taking them um away you know and we don't know what he's doing you know but it seems like he may be training them to kind of be you know future inquisitors because um, now that we know that he's not the only one, you know, based on the season two of Clone Wars, or not Clone Wars, Rebels. Well, I don't know if he's necessarily training them, but we do know from season two of Rebels that they are seeking out Force sensitives and that they're getting rid of them. Right. So he could be, I think, this is the way I'm thinking of it, is that he's probably trying to find them, and then he's picking out the ones that he thinks, you know, could be valuable or could be turned and probably keeping them around, and then the ones that show a little bit more defiance and don't necessarily want to go along with his dark side plans uh, would be the ones that he would eliminate. Mm -hmm. um, so, But I thought it was interesting because I know after watching the episode of Rebels, it's not very clear why they took her, his sister. But in this book, they clearly state that she is actually a Force-sensitive um, well, they didn't clearly state it. It's something that they're he's they're gathering that maybe she is a force sensitive. Like he's having a hard time wrapping his head around it, and they're saying that you know maybe she was taken because she was a force sensitive person. They didn't actually say like she was taken because she's force sensitive. Okay. Unless I missed that. I, maybe because I, I have read the next book, so maybe I'm kind of blending into the next one. But, um, Spoilers! <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, they're definitely implying it. And they're also implying that not only was she targeted, but, um, uh, obviously, um, Ezra was targeted. Yep. Who we knew as Dev. And then, um, Jai was also Jai targeted. Kill. Which, when I rewatched the episode of Rebels on TV, there was, there was never any kind of indication um, that that character was force sensitive or that he was even kind of being seen that way by the Imperials. But in the book, they really focused on that, that him and Dev were both seen as possible force sensitives. See, I thought there was because I knew Dev was trying to save Jai Kel too. Yeah. So I thought, I guess I just inferred that on my own. Um, Maybe, you know what? Yeah, I'm trying, I could be misremembering the, the episode now, but. 
for some reason that didn't stick out to me as much in the episode as it did in the book that Jai was also force sensitive. Um, but yeah, I just think it's, I, it's just such a cool idea uh, for the story. And I really am looking forward to seeing, you know, cause this whole book was about, you know, Zare on the inside and then Marie on the outside, really trying to find out what happened to his sister. You know, she's slicing in to the computer systems, you know, trying to unlock this file that has all this information and then he's trying to find out whatever he can from the inside. So it's it's a pretty interesting story. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, it seems like they're getting closer and closer to unlocking this mystery. And I'm kind of, I'm hoping that his sister actually in the next couple books becomes a character in the books and uh, we get to learn more about her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that these books are going in a really good direction. And um, I'm really curious, like, where it's going to end up. And I'm wondering if, like, where it ends up, like, if they ever going to talk about it in the show. Yeah, and I've actually, um, you know, just because the, the final novel has come out um, and just hearing initial reactions from that, um, I've heard there's some pretty interesting stuff that goes down. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Maybe some connections to, to other things. Mm, so, connections to what kind of things? I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything, but I have heard things that... Uh, there could be connections to the bigger Star Wars universe that we're looking forward to. Spill it. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm just inferring from things that I, I'm trying to stay spoiler free, but I have heard that that final novel has some surprising things in it. You're so. really not going to say anything, are you? Of course you? not. Spoiler free <laughs> until we until we read it. So <laughs> spoiler free until we read. <laughs> okay. Um. So overall thoughts, like you're enjoying it. And it's definitely it's a for me it's a good break from the big novels. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's I'm a, like, oh, that's a nice small story. Yeah, it's it's easy to digest. It's a fast read. It's it's kind of like watching an episode of Rebels. It's on. It's kind of yeah. that. It's that type of a story. Um, you know, obviously, it's not focusing on the the Rebels characters we're used to. You know, we we're getting these new characters, but it's kind of that same type of storytelling. Um, you know, the Imperial stuff not super exciting for me. You know me. I love my Jedi and my lightsabers, and there's none of that in here. But um, but for what it is, I, I am really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it too. And you're right; it is like watching an episode of Rebels, or like watching a you know a long episode of Rebels, really. Um, so I think it's really good, and I think that they're going in a good direction. Now I'm kind of curious what you've heard. Uh, I know you're not going to tell me, but I'm curious. <laughs> Yeah. I'm kind of interested in some of the, the things that they're introducing with um, because you remember when we read the first one I was saying oh this feels like Harry Potter there's three characters mm-hmm. you know there's kind of the two that might you know end up together and then there's the third guy they kind of got rid of that third guy Beck is yeah gone. he's gone so he's it's, like it's really he's like gone 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 on, yeah it's really focused on these two characters but they start to introduce some of these side characters these other you know slicers that she meets and there's the one that's a Pantoran um, that they're kind of, they're showing that he may be interested in her. So I, I kind of wonder if there may be kind of a love triangle thing going on in the next novel, you know, with him or if he becomes maybe a bigger character. So yeah, it's, it's getting more and more interesting. Are you starting to be okay with love stories being in Star Wars? (laughs) I mean, at this, you know, this teeny bop stuff, I mean, it doesn't, they're not going to get much further than, oh, her face, you know, turned red when he looked at her too long. You know, that's, that's about as far as we're going to get with that. It's not, you have not read lost stars. (laughs) Well, 
I haven't. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, well, not the good parts. <laughs> so yeah, it's not going to get to the dark disciple level. I don't think. Um, no, comes, no, these won't. When it comes to romance, these these, these junior novels will. These junior novels will stay away but from the that, YA so. track. That's going in some great dark disciple direction. <laughs> okay, well, I'll get there eventually. <laughs> all right well on our next episode i think what we have coming up for you guys is going to be reviewing darth vader um volume one and also servants of the empire imperial the, justice is that the next is that one? The third one uh i can tell you what the third one is give me two seconds but definitely darth vader volume one so comic time Book, where are you, book? Come here, book. This is for... Oh, yeah, it's got to be Imperial Justice. Secret Academy is the fourth one. Did you hear me? Yep. Okay, I'm, like, yelling. Because so I, <laughs> I had to find it in my bag. Yeah, so um, now I'm kind of like, maybe I should just skip over to the next one. Cause no, no. Sabine, look, fast. Sabine and Zeb and the ghost and Ezra are all on the cover of the fourth one. That's exciting. Uh, you can read read the next one tomorrow and then read the next one the day after that. They're they're fast reads. Goes. Well, they are. That's true. They're only like, what, like 180, 180 pages. pages. And yeah. it's not even, I wouldn't even really count that as like a full 180. So, um, so yes, next up it will be Imperial Justice, so Servants of the Empire, Imperial Justice, and Darth Vader, Volume 1. Whee! And as usual, you can follow us on Twitter, at Star Wars Bookworms. We were talking about some tweets today, so tweet at us, uh, you know, tell us some interesting things, and maybe we'll talk about it on the show. You can email us, starwarsbookworms at gmail.com. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook. Uh, we're over there, for the most part, updating, you know, the latest news and things over at Facebook. So you can check us out. Just search for Star Wars Bookworms and you'll find us there. And if you don't mind, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review because we need those five-star reviews. But we also need the written review so people know what we do and what our, our I was going to say what our story's about. Um, what our podcast is all about so that we can get more listeners. And we rely on you guys for that. So if you haven't taken the time to do that and you're sitting at home binge-watching, you know, something in like My Little Pony or something on Netflix, then just, you know, open your phone, go to your iTunes and leave us a review. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Ice Cold Penguin, and you can find Aaron on both. He is at A.V. Goins. And until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.